Good afternoon, and welcome to Outer Cape News on WOMR. My name is Matthew Dunn. This is your update on what's happening on the Lower and Outer Cape, drawing on stories reported in the pages of the Provincetown Independent, the Provincetown Banner, the Cape Codder, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. In this week's episode, Beth Dunn has a story about the possible restoration of the West End Marsh in Provincetown to go along with the work on the Herring River restoration in Wellfleet. And we also have stories from Orleans about the completion of the current phase of their sewer project, as well as the difficulty in hiring for town staff positions. Will David is here with his exclusive WOMR Weekend Weather Outlook, and Ira Wood has a matter of opinion about vacations, staycations, altercations, and fakecations. Today's edition of the Cape Cod Times features a cover story about WOMR's own Anne Levine and her show, Ukraine 242. Ever since Russia invaded one year ago, Anne has interviewed a wide range of people in Ukraine, including doctors, soldiers, historians, and social influencers. Working from her home in Dennis, Anne lets listeners know what it's like to be on the ground in Ukraine, with air raid sirens going off, power going out, and even running water being unavailable for indefinite stretches of time. She's been working with a Ukrainian station that retooled itself as the Radio of National Resistance after its tower in Kiev was bombed at the start of the war. The station's general manager helped Levine get in touch with Ukrainian contacts and translators. She is still in contact with them, but her reach has now spread, and she's been able to get interviews with experts in foreign relations, academics, and the military. She's spoken with authors, historians, and television stars. Her guests have included President Zelensky's former press secretary and a retired U.S. Army general. Many of Levine's guests are intimately involved with what's happening in the country, while others are informed in the historical and cultural underpinnings of the conflict. Pacifica Radio's Ursula Rudenberg edits the shows, and Pacifica makes the show available free of charge to any station that wants to air it. Now, Levine has started working with an American photographer who's on the ground in Ukraine. You can see those pictures and listen to past episodes of the show at the website ukraine242.com. Episodes are also posted at the WOMR website. According to Rudenberg, the strength of Levine's show is that it gives listeners a feeling for what's really going on. Rudenberg calls the struggle in Ukraine a grassroots, participatory, democratic movement. Community radio is uniquely positioned to develop the trust of those involved in the movement and to deliver their stories to a wider audience. Anne has also used the show to raise money for orphanages and to provide surgical supplies, animal shelters, and meals for those in need. But her main goal in the program is convincing the public that Ukraine needs continued and robust American support. In Wellfleet, work to build the Chequesset Neck Road Bridge to restore tidal flow to the Herring River estuary is underway. 
Portions of the dike at Chequesset Neck Road will be replaced with a new bridge that has sluice gates to control the rate of the tidal exchange between Wellfleet Harbor and the Herring River Estuary. The bridge project is funded by grants from federal and state sources. The aim is to fix degraded water quality and habitat caused by the loss of tidal flow. The dike was built across Chequesset Neck in 1909 to control mosquitoes and create more arable land. Workers have already been clearing several hundred acres of vegetation that has been salt-killed by the persistent tidal overwash at Duck Harbor Beach. That clearing will continue through the end of March. The 24-month construction schedule calls for the installation of a temporary bypass bridge this summer to allow for vehicle and pedestrian access while the permanent bridge is built. The tide gates under the new structure will be opened slowly to gradually allow more water to flow and to help the ecosystem transition from the current freshwater marsh to a saltwater marsh. Chiquesset Neck Road will stay open throughout construction with occasional lane closures. Regular updates, including information about planned lane closures, will be posted on the Wellfleet Town website. At the April 3rd annual town meeting, Provincetown voters will consider a plan to create a 40-foot gap in the town's West End breakwater in an effort to reverse the destruction of the marsh west of that area. The gap would likely measure 40 feet across the top of the breach and would be spanned by a bridge to retain pedestrian access to Long Point. The town meeting article will ask for $120,000 to help pay for a feasibility report by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Construction would be funded by a separate vote in another year or so and would likely cost the town about $1 million, with the Army Corps providing around $3 million. State grant money could offset some of the town's share. The same feasibility study was voted down in April 2017. It has been revived because of the ongoing collapse of the marsh that lies between the dike and Herring Cove Beach. The cord grass is being rapidly consumed by an invasive species, the purple marsh crab. The crabs arrived in the West End Marsh sometime after 2008, and they have long been a threat to marshes further south. Their range is now expanding northward, possibly due to climate change, but also possibly due to the overfishing of their primary predators. Those predator fish are entirely absent from the West End Marsh, since the dike blocks the large fish that feast on the crabs. Since their arrival in the artificially sheltered marsh, the crab population has exploded. Cape Cod National Seashore plant biologist Steve Smith said there was a healthy, fully vegetated marsh in 2010, and the first small patches of destroyed cordgrass became visible in 2016. Since then, huge areas of cordgrass and the biologically rich peat that it creates have been killed and washed away, leaving bare sand behind. Smith said peat that has built up over 2,000 years can wash away in a few hours in a winter storm. The proposal to cut a hole in the Long Point Dyke has come up several times in the past, even before the crab invasion. 
Peter Borelli, then the executive director of the Centre for Coastal Studies, asked the select board to look into breaching the dike in 2006. The board asked the Army Corps of Engineers to do a feasibility study later that year, but they declined to fund the project at that time. After a few false starts, the study began in January 2014 and was finished in December 2015. A presentation by the Army Corps to members of the Select Board, Harbor Committee, and Conservation Commission was disastrous, according to Dennis Minsky, who was chair of the Conservation Commission at the time. By the town meeting vote in April of 2017, the Conservation Commission, Select Board, and Harbor Committee had all come out against the plan. Nearly everyone in the room voted to indefinitely postpone an article seeking funding for the final study, in effect, killing the project. Minsky said no one at the time had any idea about the purple marsh crab or marsh deterioration. Now that the damage can be easily seen, town meeting voters will get to consider a possible solution again. Regular users of local libraries will need to dig out their library cards this week if they plan to take out a book. The regional CLAMS system will be offline Friday through Sunday while data is migrated to a new platform. In the biggest upgrade in two decades, a new integrated library system is being installed that will be more intuitive and user-friendly for patrons and more flexible and functional for library staff. The move is the result of a year-long process in which librarians reviewed all the available options. They ended up choosing the COA library system software. Staff members at Cape Libraries have undergone training in the new system, and it's hoped that patrons will find it easy to use, although you will need to create new login information to get started. The online system won't be available to check accounts, place holds, or check availability of items from today through Sunday, February 26th, although the catalog will remain searchable. During that time, patrons can borrow items from libraries, but will need an actual library card. If you can't find your library card, new cards can be issued in person. Access to the Commonwealth catalog will also be unavailable during this time. The new system will come online on Monday. To get started, You'll use your email address or the last four digits of your phone number to log in. Library card number and other account information, as well as current holds and checked out material, will migrate to the new system. The new system is based on open source software, allowing it to evolve over time to suit user needs, and it should put the local libraries in good shape for the next decade or more. For Outer Cape News, this is Beth Dunn. The fire that killed a six-year-old in Orleans on February 4th broke out inside an illegally constructed apartment on the second floor of 177 Route 6A. The 1935 building was licensed for two commercial offices and two upstairs apartments, but Orleans Fire Chief Jeff Deering said it had been illegally renovated sometime after early 2017, and two apartments were added. They were never inspected for plumbing, electrical, or building code compliance, according to a February 14th letter from Building Inspector Martin Furtado 
to the property owner, Peter Eli. The victim was found in a bedroom on the second floor of a five-bedroom unit that had been created illegally. The building had a hardwired alarm system that notified the fire department, but many of the rooms had no smoke or carbon monoxide detectors. Furtado has declared the property uninhabitable until it's renovated and inspected. Because it had more than two residential units, the building should have been inspected every five years, according to state building regulations. The town had it listed as a two-unit building. But Furtado said even if officials had known it should be inspected, there's no guarantee that it would have been. The department is understaffed and underfunded, according to Furtado, and can't keep up with the inspections for new construction and renovations. Fire Chief Deering said everyone should check their smoke alarms and everyone should have a fire escape plan and practice it, especially with children. The Orleans Select Board is planning to adopt a bylaw that would require inspections of all year-round apartments. The Select Board is also pursuing required registration of long-term rentals with a basic safety inspection component. When homes sell, the septic system and smoke detectors must be checked, and rentals should have the same basic safeguards. Board Chair Andrea Reed said the board will be drafting a bylaw for the spring town meeting. In order to perform more inspections, Orleans will have to hire more staff, but that has proved to be difficult. Last May, town meeting voters authorized the hiring of an assistant town planner. The full-time position offers a salary range between $66,000 and $84,000 and includes benefits. But seven months after first advertising the position, the town has yet to hire anyone, and there's been very little response, according to interim town administrator Charles Sumner. The assistant planner job is one of many the town is currently seeking to fill. As of Monday, there were 23 positions advertised on the town website. Those range from seasonal and part-time positions all the way to the top municipal position of town administrator. The town has been seeking to fill its new position of town accountant since November, while candidates for other positions, such as that of assistant building and facilities manager, have been advertised since September. And the problem is far from unique to Orleans. As the cost and limited availability of housing continue to strain the region, Orleans and other communities are losing out on qualified job applicants. Sumner said the town is making efforts to broaden its search in hopes of finding someone to hire. Sumner said the new position of town accountant would take over some responsibilities currently undertaken by the town's finance director and will help the transition to a new finance director in the coming years. Even with experienced and qualified professionals on board, Sumner said the current workload represents a big burden for staffers. The accountant position would pay between eighty dollars and $102,000 a year with benefits, and even finding a contracting service to help staff the position in the short term have so far been unsuccessful. In the Department of Public Works, an assistant building and facilities manager is sought to give support to the facilities manager. 
The full-time position would pay anywhere from $31 to $39 per hour with benefits, depending on experience. The DPW is also seeking to hire an assistant mechanic to help service department vehicles in-house in order to save money and keep town equipment in better condition. That job is advertised to pay between $25 and $32 per hour with benefits. The town has been advertising for the job since November. In an effort to make the open positions more attractive to candidates, Sumner said the town is looking to give potential candidates more flexibility to work remotely. In the longer term, Orleans is also in the process of re-evaluating what it's offering in salary. The town has engaged the Edward J. Collins Jr. Center for Public Management at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, to conduct a study of what Orleans offers in salary for municipal positions and how the town's offerings compare to those in other Cape towns. Sumner said that study is expected to be completed in June. Staying in Orleans, the Board of Water and Sewer Commissioners on February 15th unanimously voted to deem the town's new wastewater treatment facility on Overland Way substantially complete. The board received a letter February 10th from the general contractor on the facility asking that the board accept the facility as substantially complete. A similar letter from the general contractor on the new sewer collection system and pumping stations is expected to be sent to the board shortly. The new facility replaces the former Tritown Septage Treatment Facility, which was demolished in 2019. Ground broke on the new facility and collection system in September of 2020. Tom Daly, the town's public works director, told the select board on February 15th that the facility could officially go online in mid-March. The new facility will service approximately 1,100 downtown businesses and residences that will tie in to the new system. The town had initially targeted September of 22 for substantial completion on the treatment facility, but supply chain issues led to delays. The facility was expected to begin a soft start of treatment operations this week by slowly bringing in septage to the facility. The Board of Health could vote at its next meeting on March 9th to officially begin the process of converting the 1,100 downtown customers from Title V septic systems to the new treatment system. Downtown customers will have one year upon receiving their letter to tie into the new system. In order to connect, they each have to hire an engineer to design their connection and a contractor to do the work. The Water and Sewer Commissioners plan to send a letter to downtown customers ahead of the anticipated Health Board vote on March 9th, reminding them of their need to connect. Due to a high demand right now for local engineering services, the deadline to connect could be extended. And finally today, the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod has named Mark Adams of Truro as its 2023 Artist of the Year. Launched last year, the award recognizes a Cape-based artist whose work shapes thought, inspires change, and creates a deeper sense of connection in the community. Arts Foundation Executive Director Julie Wake said Mark is the perfect choice because he demonstrates the impact art can have in connecting us to the world around us, 
and reminds us of our shared responsibility in protecting the natural environment. Adams is represented by the Schoolhouse Gallery in Provincetown and is a former member of the WOMR Board of Directors. Adams is now the Arts Foundation's second Artist of the Year with ties to the Outer Cape. Last year, Joe Hay of Provincetown was selected for the inaugural award. The Schoolhouse Gallery will be hosting an open house on Friday, May 26th, in which the public is invited to view Adams' latest artwork and learn more about his creative process. Adams worked as a geologist and cartographer for the Cape Cod National Seashore until last year, and last month was named as the Center for Coastal Studies Scientist-Artist-in-Residence. Working in ink, watercolor, acrylic, and oil on wood, unstretched canvas, and sketchbook pages, Adams' art combines mapping, text, and painting. Adams has taught at PAM, the Fine Arts Work Center, the Provincetown School Academy Program, and the Truro Center for the Arts at Castle Hill. For Outer Cape News, my name is Matthew Dunn. This is meteorologist Will David with your weekly weather watch and temperature trend for the Outer Cape. The weather pattern has turned very active as cold Canadian air and summer-like air battle it out across the country. And as we head toward the end of the month and on to March 1st, or what's also known as meteorological spring, I may have some good news for the snow lovers. This afternoon, a surge of Arctic air will send temperatures plummeting, especially later tonight. The bitter blast will be accompanied by gusty northwest winds and frigid wind chills. Now this weekend, fast-moving disturbances or clipper-type systems will spread a good amount of clouds and snow showers across the Outer Cape. Right now, it looks like Sunday will be the weekend day most likely to see the most snow shower activity. As these systems race out to sea, a stronger and more important storm over the Ohio Valley will move eastward and redevelop off the mid-Atlantic coast. This storm has the potential to bring accumulating snow to the Outer Cape beginning Monday night. But it could be a case where Provincetown and Truro see the most snow, while areas south of Wellfleet receive more of a wintry mix. There are also signs of a developing traffic jam in the upper atmosphere, causing the storm to slow down. So the signals are there for a potentially significant winter storm in the Monday night through early Wednesday timeframe. The strength, speed, and track of the low will eventually determine the amount of impact on the Outer Cape so stay tuned. And the parade of storms doesn't end there. More storminess is likely in this very active pattern through the first half of March. And even though we may see more rain than snow with each passing storm, March 2023 will be coming in like a lion. Elsewhere across the nation, a massive and record cold storm will bring snow to Southern California as snow levels drop down to a mere 300 feet. Temperatures will be up to 40 degrees below average over the southern half of the Golden State. Rainfall in Metro Los Angeles could exceed half a foot with significant flooding, while snowfall of up to seven feet buries parts of the San Jacinto Mountains. It's this storm that could bring us the wintry weather early next week. Meanwhile, much of the southeast and Florida will continue to see record smashing heat 
with temperatures 40 degrees above average. This battle of the air masses continues to be the breeding ground for these big storms to develop, and the tremendous temperature difference between these two air masses will likely lead to yet another outbreak of severe storms across the central and southern plains this weekend. Now my exclusive WOMR weekend weather forecast for the Outer Cape. This afternoon, mostly sunny, windy, and turning colder. Temperatures falling this afternoon into the 20s by sunset. Tonight, partly cloudy, blustery, and very cold. Lows around 16 with wind chills near or slightly below zero. Saturday, mostly cloudy and cold with a slight chance of snow showers or flurries. Highs around 25. Sunday, breezy and not as cold with a good chance of rain and snow showers. Highs around 37. As always, stay safe and informed by keeping an eye to the sky and an ear to the radio. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. I'm Weather Will. February up here in the Northeast, can be a really tough month. We get teased with a few warmish days, sure, then slammed with wind straight out of Canada and fog straight out of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Personally, I'm still suffering with football withdrawal, but not to worry. I'm here today to talk about four ways to deal with the February blues. Now, most Cape Codders, no matter how many jobs they have to juggle, manage to cobble together enough money to go on vacation in the tropics come winter. But that has its drawbacks because, of course, you have to come home. Yesterday, I bumped into one old friend in the post office whose face was as tanned as a goat hide briefcase. Just back from a month-long vacation in Puerto Rico, she was bundled up like the Michelin tire man and said Cape Cod winters were just intolerable. This struck me as the complete opposite of the way things should be. Why spend thousands of dollars for one month out of the year that, by comparison, makes the rest of your life seem miserable? Wouldn't it be wiser by far to invest the time and money to make the other 11 months seem fabulous? That's why I like the concept of the altercation, not to be confused with the staycation in which you're supposed to take a holiday in your own house and put the world on hold. Seriously, does that ever work? Has anyone on a staycation ever tried to explain to the cats that their litter box won't get cleaned for two days because your bedroom is suddenly supposed to be a suite at the Marriott? Of course not. So why not make a serious commitment to misery? Imagine spending a week in a red roof inn outside Cleveland. Unpleasant as it might seem, the rates are cheap, but more to the point, you'll be positively overjoyed to be back home. Who'd care about the temperature on Cape Cod when you've just returned from the mistake by the lake? 
How about a Valentine's Day getaway to spice up that relationship? Is there any place in the country that would get you two clinging together again like Rockford, Illinois, America's most dangerous small city? Think of all the things you hate about winter on Cape Cod. Closed restaurants, empty streets, freezing rain, gray skies. Well, just take out your vacation photos, people. There's nothing like snapshots of the Rust Belt to fill your life up here with color. But what if you can't afford to get away? No problem. You can brighten up the most boring life simply by visualizing yourself someplace far worse. I call it the vacation, and I do it all the time. What if it's a dark February night and I'm stuck in my office writing to a deadline while a hard rain pounds the roof and a 60-mile-per-hour wind is already causing the lights to flicker? Power is going down all over town. The fire in the stove is dying. I haven't brought in any firewood all day, and I'm starting to calculate how long the desk I'm writing on would keep me warm. As the thermometer drops below freezing and the rain turns to sleet, I close my eyes and imagine myself in an airport. Not just any airport. Make it O'Hare Airport. Make it 10 o'clock on a Friday night, and I'm waiting on the last flight east to Boston. I'm sitting in the lounge with hundreds of exhausted business passengers and families with cranky, crying children when there is an announcement. The crew is stuck in Denver. The flight has been canceled, and I realize I'm going to have to spend the night on a folding cot in the American Airlines terminal. Now, here is the trick. It is at this point that I open my eyes, and I am in reality, someplace much better, someplace quiet, someplace peaceful like my cozy little office on Cape Cod. Suddenly, where I am is actually where I want to be. And I tell you, it works. Happiness is totally relative. So there it is, people. Vacations, staycations, altercations, and vacations. Four answers to the February blues at a price everyone can afford. I'm Ira Wood, and that's my opinion. And that does it for this week's edition of Outer Cape News. Thanks go to the Provincetown Independent, the Provincetown Banner, the Cape Codder, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. Thanks also to Beth Dunn, Will David, and Ira Wood for their contributions to the program. And thanks to Henry and Jane Fisher and Jacob Greenberg for being sustaining members of Outer Cape News. And now stay tuned for Friday Afternoon Jazz. It's Lush Life with Scott Penn on listener-supported Community Radio, WOMR. Just move your mama and go down.